Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. When Sharon Camello went through her separation and divorce, she thought she'd hit rock bottom, but then she hit rock bottom again and again. The pain of the separation, the influence that alcohol was having on her life, they all conspired to drag her down into a hole. But on the other side of that, she learned so much about herself and the reoccurring thing through this chat is all about the masks that we wear and her identifying that there were certain masks she was wearing that she needed to drop, that she can help other people to do the same. And she also shares about her amazing book, Emoji, which is the 50 easy ways to overcome anxiety and find your happy face. There's so much great wisdom and tips, not only in her book, but in this chat now. Enjoy. Hey, everyone, and welcome, Sharon Camello. How are you, Sharon? I'm very well, thank you. I've um, put my flanny on today, flannelette yeah, shirt. Today. It's getting cool. It is. It's. Uh, I don't like it. <laughs> give me, give me summer and a beach any day of the week. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to embrace it. I'm trying to change my thinking to positive yeah. thoughts about the cold. <laughs> me too, but it just makes me long for more warm weather. <laughs> yeah, the beach is nice yeah, in summer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, enough weather reports. Uh, let's get into your story. So okay. before we jumped on, we talked about you know, some of those moments from your past and, and you said you, you had a, a rock bottom moment, but yes, it actually said you had a number of them. So oh. like, it was, and I think that's what it's often like, right? You think if you hit rock bottom and then it goes, it goes another one and another layer, and another layer. So tell us a little bit about um, that original moment and then, and then how that unfolded after that, Sharon. Sure. I had a lot of rock bottom moments postnatally. I had two little kids very close together and my sister was um, dying of cancer. So I had a lot of rock bottom moments at that time. Um, but the ones that I was speaking to you about before we came on was going through separation and divorce. That was the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, very, very difficult. I was married for 30 years and you know, married to my high school sweetheart. We had two beautiful kids. We had a great family life, great friendship group, and then everything went belly up. And um, and it was unfortunately a little bit messy and uh, a lot of, lot of conflict. 
So, and I blamed myself and I was drinking heavily um, and I just, yeah, I just ended up at rock bottom many, many, many times, lots of dark places. Yeah. Are you okay to talk about how you ended up in those places and, and how that unfolded? Yeah, so, yeah so, sure. So was it the drinking that sort of took you lower and lower or was it like um, was it the situation, was it the thought processes or was it a bit of everything? Yeah, all of the above. I mean, obviously drinking aggravates um, or let's say, I won't say aggravates, that's a judgment, but drinking, you know, accentuates emotions. So I would drink every night a lot <laughs> to feel happier and to avoid you know all the usual all the usual reasons yeah. um but then in the morning i would be a mess an absolute blubbering mess um and this just went on day after day i was trying to go to work i was trying to you know look for a house i was you know i was trying to do my groceries or go to the post office and it was just everything was hard um so, so lots living together at that point no this is after i moved out okay. yeah, yeah i right. moved into an apartment and i was okay. alone my kids were back at the house with their dad yeah. my yeah. cats or my cat, one cat, you know, and I used to go to the house to pack some things, more things to take to my flat, and I would sit in the rocking chair with that cat and just cry and cry and cry. And I, most of it was the self-talk, you know, this is all my fault. And it wasn't, of course, but, you know, I'm a loser, I messed up, I'm such a, you know, X, Y, Z. I've never, you know... I was always going to be this way. I had such a dysfunctional childhood and then, and um, mm. I was never going to make it, you know. Um, I, I'm always letting people down. You know, I was just, yeah, it was self-defeating. The self-talk was yeah. just awful, you know. <laughs> tell, tell me about some of the, the thoughts that came up from your childhood because to me that's one of the, the things that people are never prepared for with grief. The actual moment is pretty in your face, but it's then then you pile on top of that the yeah the thoughts from like you just said there, like the the, the thought process and the and the inner talk starts going on about all those old things from the past. Well, absolutely, yeah. Describe a bit of that and and how significant that impacted you at that time around your rock bottom moment. Yeah, it was huge, Ian, because, um, you know, I grew up in a, um, a challenging household. Um, Dad was an alcoholic. He was the party boy who was very competitive with me, so he was like a male version of me, um, just add alcohol and s perhaps less emotional intelligence, you know. They, they married, you know, when they were in their early 20s. They had three kids by the time they were 25 and they came from households that were also somewhat um, challenging so um, yeah so that's how we were raised mum became very um, controlling because you can't control an alcoholic so you try and control everything else in your life so um, yeah and and I um, you know we we were raised with love, but 
it was an interesting version of love and there was a lot of criticism and a lot of um you know you didn't do this right and you didn't do that right and and my my two siblings were um special needs both intellectually disabled but i was sort of the shining star you know that that got the good results and won the prizes and awards and things but it was not really acknowledged you know and I, I, when i asked mum about that years and years later she said oh i just expected you to do well and i said yeah but it would have been nice to hear it sometimes yeah. so those three universal fears that you hear about you know the not worthy not being loved and not belonging i had them in spades i had had all of the the fears that that we all have to a certain degree and of course these things as you say they come out when we're grieving um i think during any grief process that's when emotions are are enlarged enhanced whatever and yeah so i was like i've messed up everything i'm such a loser i can't do anything right all of the mm -hmm. above yeah. yeah yeah so as as that what you said they're feeling like the shining star was there was there a pressure with needing to then keep up that level of achievement that you felt at that young age no no i don't think so in fact dad uh kind of um was somewhat jealous of my achievements because I achieved things that he had never been able to achieve and probably wouldn't, you know, just yeah. different talents, different strengths. So he would kind of, you know, do the tall poppy and cut me down. Mm. Um, and mum was just so busy, you know, dealing with everything around her, uh, including my siblings that, um, as I say, she just said to me one time, you know, we just expected you to do well, you know? Yeah, right. Did, yeah. did you, you do you remember feeling like um, any sort of resentment because your siblings were getting more attention than you? No, not at all. No, no. no I loved loved my siblings very much, and I, in fact, tried to help mother and teach them. You know. Oh, cool. So yeah. Ah, so the uh, natural teacher already coming out yeah. at that young age. <laughs> That's right. I think it's one of the reasons I went into teaching. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. Okay, so mm. that, what about the pattern of um, being cut down? Did you then go into like into later years and then into your adulthood, starting to attract that same sort of experience with men? Like, um, I don't think so. Um, and my my partner mm. of thirty years was um, he had his mm. own path. Um, I didn't really have a path for anyone to acknowledge, you know. <laughs> I became a teacher and a mother. Um, yeah. But, yeah, there was nothing outside of that. That, that um, and, and when I did go off on a creative tangent, um, I, guess, I guess it was somewhat discouraged or, or quashed, but um, so I, I just didn't, didn't try, you know. So, yeah, but I don't think I attracted... Um, those types of people i've always looked for supportive people yeah so it's really interesting that you said about that creativity uh the creative tangent was always quashed it's like uh mm. we 
we don't know each other that well, but from the conversations we have had and, and you sharing your book with me is like, that's what, what I get from you is very much that creative soul and, and loving that ability just to share her creations with the world. Did that mean you went away from that creative spark yeah. More, yeah. But was there yeah. was there a longing to to be back in that space, or more just you just attach from it all together, and then and then took you years to come back to that space? Oh, there was a longing all my life. There was a longing, you know. Yeah. yeah. So even though separation and divorce were very difficult, um, you know, it's it's been such a blessing that that um, you know he's found someone that he can have his beautifully conservative <laughs> lifestyle with and I've found someone that I can be myself and or even just before I met anybody I could just finally be myself one of the first things I bought was a shirt that says free to be me you know <laughs> um, but at the same time I was I was saying that but I wasn't feeling it yet I've only mm. just started feeling in the last couple of years I went and got a tattoo you know because I was told if I got a tattoo that would be the end of the relationship I jumped out of an airplane I learned to skateboard and surf you know I went yeah. I just unleashed the beast <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome um oh where was I going to go then oh you were talking about the the, the creativity and and yeah. um free be me i was drawn immediately to the video i saw you doing with your your current partner when you were doing the competition yeah. uh to go, on, to go on to the the television show and i was like yeah. like yeah you can tell you two were in sync and both yes. uh that that inner creativity and um and a bit of cheekiness and character coming out it was great yeah thank you we tried to put a couple of jokes in there because you know you yeah. don't want to be too straight but yeah we sort of oh we're always coming up with an idea you know yeah. Yeah. um there's always something that we're going to promote or market or oh the world needs this you know yeah yeah, yeah. so so at that at those rock bottom moments you you, you wouldn't have been thinking about creativity no. but like what what was sort of the first step to get you starting heading in the right direction because you said that you know you hit rock bottom but then you hit it again and it got like lower yeah. and lower and lower like yeah. how did you get yourself out of that space yeah well um there were a few things i i went and saw a psychiatrist for the first time in my life because i had been diagnosed with um severe anxiety and depression postnatally and when if I see a doctor now, that that's still on my chart. That is my, you know, that is my diagnosis. And I just, you know, I just I don't laugh at it, but I think, wow, <laughs> um, I've come so far. The other thing was to give up the alcohol. I I knew after several incidents um, where I really let myself and others down that I had to give up alcohol. And by this stage, I was on Facebook. And I found an excellent coach and just gravitated towards his posts. And next thing, you know, I'm signed up to the program and now I'm, you know, a mentor within that program. So yeah, uh, it was amazing. And, I, you know, I, I will only have the occasional drink now. It's a complete transformation. It's And it's just a whole new world. To be able to 
express feelings without the alcohol, whether they're, mm. you know, happy or sad feelings. I can do all of that now. I can go to a funeral and I can cry with the others, but I don't need to have a drink in my hand. And that's just been an absolute life changer. Oh, wow. So, so without alcohol, you would just be suppressing everything? Yeah. Yeah, I think I was suppressing a lot. Yeah, I had a big mask. I wore, I wore masks all the time. And a couple of coaches in the industry that I was working with called me out on that and said, Shazza, it's time to drop the mask. We want to see the real you. And yeah. it was a huge, a huge step. Yeah, and, the, and your, first, your first reaction to that is, Oh, shut up, you wouldn't know, you know. <laughs> okay, you go into oh well I did. I went into inner child. I have a massive inner child. So my inner child just said, What would you know? You you're you're just you're just a mean girl, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it was the best advice. And another coach too that I've worked with a lot, he he helped me with that a lot to drop the mask, slow down, you know. Yeah. really and listen to others you know because when you have the mask you talk about yourself a lot and tell your own stories and you forget to say to the other person well how about you how are you going mm. yeah. i also know that uh the work that i've done with different personality types and different preferences that the, the creative mind is working so fast paced and and yeah. has already sort of seen the vision of the future that it's not from a not wanting to engage it's just that they're, they're already thinking about four or five steps down the track yeah. and sometimes the the other side of the spectrum that you know needs needs to have more of that validation is like left behind so it's not yeah. necessarily a um a negative but more of a coming to an understanding of how we all operate in in different speeds and different processes, right? Yes. I, I remember um, taking some notes at something at one of my schools and my boss, who was a, a you know pretty outgoing, crazy sort of dude, he picked up my notes and he looked at them and he said, oh, my God, he used to call me Mellow for Mellow Camello, you know. Yeah, said, yeah. Oh my God, Camillo, these notes are so you. There is no, it's just like over here, over there. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, okay. But I, I, I did go and see a psychiatrist. Um, I didn't quite finish that. I meant to finish that um, and asked about, um, you know, possible bipolar. I'm not big on labels and I work in schools and kids come at me with their labels. Oh, I've got ADHD, you know, and I go, okay, darling, I still need you to be respectful, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still need, I, I, I understand that and thank you for letting me know. I still need you to try to do this maths and if you can't, I am here to help you, as I said, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah so I, I did ask a psychiatrist about, you know, bipolar tendencies and um, she did a lot of nodding and ming and, and then we tried we tried a, a different drug to the antidepressant, um, but I couldn't come off the antidepressant. So um, yeah, it's you know it's it's hard. It's it, and I don't I don't really need the label. I don't really want the label. I'm me. <laughs> I'm just me. What prompted asking that question of the psychiatrist? 
Um, I, just because I was going through such a difficult time and I was analysing, you know, my behaviours and my contribution to the divorce, you know, well, what and the drinking, you know, my whole personality type, you know, what what is it about me that's caused some of this to happen and and maybe i maybe it's not just anxiety and depression maybe there's more to it uh, i think i was starting to look at personal development and starting to look at um different personality types and different um labels <laughs> yeah, yeah and starting to think maybe i could get some help with this but you know anything that we do with drugs is simply suppressing so um, yeah and, and you mentioned masks before it, it um it either well it doesn't remove the mask but it just no. makes the mask present in a different way right yeah and i don't want to do that anymore i now accept and embrace who i am and you know come with me or get left behind <laughs> You know, it's yeah. like, be my friend or don't. I, I don't really care anymore, you know. Yeah, and um, yeah. if if my energy is too strong for you, so be it. Um, I do try to, you know, I get a bit excited and then I <laughs> I take a breath. I do a lot of meditation now yeah. to stay calm. I do a lot of things to calm myself and those around me. So, yeah. Yeah, good. Uh, I don't have a great understanding of bipolar. I know it's it's like um, big big highs and big lows. Yeah, yeah? Is, yeah. It, is that what they, you're experiencing? You're jumping from one to the other, like within within yeah. minutes, hours, like days. Oh, yeah, over the period of a week. Like last week, I remember we started on Tuesday, didn't we? Yes. Oh no, Tuesday was the day off. I I just remember one day I was feeling really low and the next day I was feeling super high you know I was like what what did I eat what did I do what's come in you know where, where does this come from but um mm. just being aware of it for me now is enough and and just know that they used to call it um manic depression they used to say uh, yep. you know she's she's having a manic episode or you would find the same person you know slumped in their bed uh, for a whole week or whatever, that's probably an extreme case. But yeah, yeah, they, it's it's highs and lows to, um, to the extreme, more extreme than perhaps other people. And, so, and was, that, do you, was that back in the rock bottom moment you're experiencing, that, like coming out the other side of that as well? Or are we talking this is going way back as for as early as you can remember? Um, I don't remember having i don't remember having these sorts of super highs and lows as a kid or a teenager I, you know i feel like i was um fairly even i i think a lot of things changed postnatally a lot of my chemicals mm. changed and then there were life experiences that changed me a lot um and now it's just yeah i i just try and keep it as even as i can Without without squashing the highs too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I yep. get a real um, a, a, a sad emotion come through when you were talking about those life experiences. Is there any of those that that would have come to mind just then that you can actually share about like how they impact? Oh, you? yeah, sure. I mean, talk about the grief code, the grief list. 
I had, um, oh, I lost, in a row, I lost my sister, who, as I say, was special, um, a long history with cancer, about five years. So that was very sad and and I couldn't protect her any longer, you know. Mm. I couldn't. That was a big one for me because I used to protect her and I could no longer do that. I then lost my stepfather who was just adorable. He he was a real dad to me. Um, and then I lost my own dad. Um, and even though we'd had a rocky path, you know, it's still very, as you know, very confronting losing your dad. Uh, a lot of memories and a lot of, you know, there's times where you, you sort of think, oh, just tell dad, oh, no, I can't, you know. Yeah, dad yeah, would I'll love just... that. Oh, yeah. that still gets me. Yeah. Um, and and then I lost his sister, my aunt, and she was my family soulmate. She and I were just thick as thieves. We understood each other. Yeah. So I, I had a real string of of grief. Mm. And I, I remember your guest, Pat, saying um, she went through a stage where she didn't want to pick up the phone. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was the same. I would leave the phone for anybody else to pick up. I was just like, what now, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, these things do seem to come in in waves, don't they? Waves, yeah, yeah. So, what I got a few things through just when you were talking there, and and the your role as that uh, protector for your sister was pretty important, mm. right? I got, I got goosebumps yeah. as if like, that was like that was almost like a real purpose part of your life. Yeah. So, so when that when you can't protect her anymore but then also that sort of sense of purpose is taken away did that leave a massive hole for you it did but i did i had small children at the time so i was able to to channel that into them and probably became overprotective well they tell me that they tell yeah. me that now at 26 and 24 they make jokes about it yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, you can't go to the park on your own, you know. <laughs> and I and I still defend myself. I say, no, you shouldn't have been going to the park on your own at four years old, Lisa. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, correct. Yeah, but other other aspects too that they tease me about. But um, mm. yeah, so I, but I it took me a while to realise why I was grieving so much for my sister. You know, because she'd been sick for a long time. She didn't have a great quality of life even before she became sick. So it was kind of, you know, how they say a blessing in a way. Um, so I was trying, I guess I was doing the Pollyanna thing and saying, oh, it's a blessing, it's a blessing, you know. Mm. She's out of pain and she, you know, she doesn't have to do this very hard thing called life because it was hard for her, really hard for her. Um, she doesn't have to do that anymore. And I, but I was obviously there was something deeper that I wasn't uncovering until a little bit later when I realised, oh, God, that's it. You, you protected her and you couldn't protect her. I think I was working with a coach by then. And, yeah, yeah and she said you couldn't protect her any longer and the flood just came. Yeah. yeah. It was it's there. amazing when, when we just externalise something and 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 just get it out like how freeing and what a relief it is, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right, Amazing. yeah. Amazing. Um, tell me, 
you described that those early years growing up with your siblings and how you know you just had to get on with it you didn't get that acknowledgement does that mm. did that translate into later years of of struggling to receive compliments and and uh any sort of praise yeah 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 i think i spent most of my adult life just expecting to do well but not not um not receiving encouragement or praise terribly well um but always striving to do better at something anything you know i wanted the accolades i wanted so i became a massive people pleaser you know and i would yeah. do things to the nth degree if there was a party to be planned or whatever it was whatever project i ran yeah i would to the nth degree it was ridiculous you know just you know I, I just spent you know most of my adult life in with my inner child saying please love me please love me <laughs> please be my friend yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, that's a pattern that i can uh, relate to and i'm sure many of the listeners will be able to as well it's like wanting to get that validation but then when it comes being uncomfortable that sort of yeah then you know, yeah. Yeah. In a contradiction. So then we spend so much of our time over giving, uh, running yep. around, volunteering our time for other people to, to fill that need, but really yeah. ultimately at our own expense. Yeah. And we don't look inward. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. I remember learning about trauma responses and a lot of people, their trauma response is, is um, kind of, telling the story over and over and, and presenting the trauma and, and I guess the excuses, oh, I can't do this because this and this and this and this have happened to me. And then yep. there's another type of trauma response where, you know, we help others and overdo things and yeah. shiny thing, shiny thing, but we don't <laughs> stop and look within. And that's so important, as you know, that journey to self is absolutely vital and i'm, I'm yeah. so grateful for it now even though it's hard when someone tells you you know you wear too many masks or you're too loud yeah. or you're this or you're that or yeah yeah uh, from my experience i don't know if this relates to you but uh i've worked with a lot of people that have said to me they they've been allowed to tell their story over and over again mm -hmm. um and it hasn't helped because they just keep feel like they're just saying the same things whereas <laughs> as they rightly yeah. point out i'll let people tell their story to a point but if it gets to the point where you okay we're going over old ground here i'll, I'll go okay we need yeah. to actually we need to move on from this so what is it that's needed do you find that with the work that you do that it's this looking at it the same way it's like okay like let's let's shift this story to something else yeah i um you know, I learned to tell my story well, even up until recently, I was working with a coach about tweaking how how I tell my story so that others can relate to me, so I can then help coach them. So that yep. was with a purpose. But when I was telling it over and over in social media or to coaches, or I did get to the stage where I thought, oh, God, it's time to give up your story. You know, you, you have control over your life. And the more you just dwell in, you know, dysfunctional childhood, we all had a dysfunctional childhood, you know, grief, losing lots of people in your life. We all lose people in our lives. And it, yeah. I remember working with a particular coach who had us telling it 
in a humorous way and yeah. we, could, we could tell it with a Mickey Mouse voice or, <laughs> or we could tell it like I chose to do one, I chose to do mine in rap. So I put my cap on backwards and, you know, did the rap moves and told, I wrote it all out and I recited my story in rap, you know, and, uh, yeah, and, and I also studied a discipline called um, The Spiral uh, with a fellow from Byron Bay and in that we don't, it's a coaching method, but we don't go into a lot of story detail. We find out when particular emotions occurred using um, kinesiology, muscle testing, and yep. then we... And then we, okay, so when did Ian first experience grief, you know, too? Yeah. Like, and yeah. you would think a two-year-old experienced grief, but maybe someone around you was grieving at the time, you know? So it's, it's a very powerful modality and it takes the person out of all the details and into healing. So, yeah. yeah so I, I was looking that. for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a fan of having those tools as well because sometimes, yeah. one, the person doesn't know what it is and, and two, yeah. maybe they don't want to, they're not ready to share that. It doesn't mean we can't create a shift with, with processes like that. Um, you mentioned there the early grief from as young as two. Like mm. I, I shared my story about how I used to have this reoccurring nightmare and I couldn't work out what it was because there was no colour to it. There's no shapes. Mm. There was no, it was just light and dark and this, thumping that sped That's up right. and slowed down yeah. it's like well that to yeah. me it's like well that would have been experiencing stress and and some sort of emotional reaction in the womb right responding yeah. to mum's stress or her stressing about some other external stuff so uh, thanks for yeah. for raising that about that young age yes we we do mm. we experience it where we we are observing these important people in our world and when they're off, well, yeah, even as young as whatever, like, we, we experience these things and, and they can con continue to impact us. If you think, you mentioned there that in a child a few times, uh, two, two parts to this question. One, can you explain to people who maybe don't know what, what you mean by in a inner child? child? Yeah. And then yeah. some of the work you've done around that to uh, repair that relationship. Yeah. Um, so those those three, um, well, the, the the universal fears. I'm not worthy. I'm not loved. I don't belong. I guess I would say that that is to me. That's a lot of inner child. You know, uh, I don't fit in this group. So when we're in the workplace, and you know, the mean girls are at the um, at the they say at the water fountain. You know, the 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 tap near the kitchen or whatever, and and you see them kind of whispering and you think oh they're talking about me because that one spoke to me this morning quite harshly and and they could be talking about anything but that inner child that says oh I don't belong in this group or the inner child that says I'm I'm not worthy because you know my boss keeps snapping at me uh, about everything everything we exaggerate everything I do isn't good enough you know um, yeah. but a lot of it comes back to those those childhood inner fears, those, you know, I'm not worthy, I'm not loved, nobody loves me. No, you know, I posted on Facebook that, you know, I'm having a bad time and hardly anyone reached out or, you know, we yeah. we cook up stories, don't we? We I think Tony yeah. Robbins talks about that a lot, that we uh, movies, we make movies 
in our own minds about yeah. things that are happening in our lives and so much of it is untrue but it it, it comes from that place of inner child um and then the 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 opposite is true, you know, free the inner child. I say it on most of my videos, like the old, you know, sing like no one's listening, dance like no one's watching, you know, love like you've never been hurt and perhaps live each day as if it were your last. And if you watch a small child, take a small child for a walk, oh, my Lord, you know, they, yeah. oh, look, a flower, oh, a grasshopper. And oh, yeah. that fence has got a funny pattern. Look how that goes like zigzag and that's that's where I wish we could come from more that 100%. that mindfulness yeah yeah curious adventurous inquisitive yes. lots of questions yeah that's yeah. it's a great way to to look at the world because then you yeah. find things that you didn't know were there and and yeah. often often that comes about through our darkest days right because yeah. we we avoid asking those questions and then when we're faced we're in our rock bottom moment then we have to ask different questions because we know we need to get ourselves out of it so do you remember any of the sort of questions you started to ask yourself when you were going through that that really dark time like how you yeah like, i when i was home um with the family and with my ex-husband i was starting to look up personal development and starting to ask questions and um he got a bit upset with me one day and said you're always looking for answers and i said yeah isn't everybody you know like isn't that yeah. why people go to church study philosophy go skateboarding i don't know like anyway. we're all yeah, we're all looking yeah. for answers and, and I think I snapped back, well, what, so you've got all the answers, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, my big thing is I'm, I will always be looking for answers. I hope that when I'm 90 I am still Googling and I'm still learning another form of meditation. So the questions are always there for me and they, through those rock-bottom times, I guess there were more questions and it was almost like a comparison and you know we say comparison is not such a healthy thing but looking at other people and thinking why is this person so calm or how does this person have so much joy in their hearts I often think of little old ladies and maybe that's because i'm going to become one and and i think of family members and you've got that that and we we would all relate to this you've got that elderly relative who um Sorry, I've just lost my hairdo. <laughs> um, that, that elderly relative who who says, oh, hello, Ian, how are you, darling? It's good to see you. You're looking well. And what have you been up to, you know? <laughs> and then there's that one that says, oh, yes, oh, is it that time already? Oh, come on in. And oh, my back, no, I haven't been real well and I've got to go to the doctor on Thursday. And, and you just yeah. think, choose your path, which... Which of these people do you wish to be? Having said that, don't be Pollyanna. You know, if you if you've got a sore back, then yeah, you might want to talk about that. But maybe not make it your greeting. You know. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, I think the the important distinction you place there around the comparisons is that you're doing it by asking questions to improve, yeah. rather yes. than being self defeating. 
Oh, yeah. why can't like, oh, like, look at them. Yeah. Like, I wish I could have more of that. It's like, no, well, no, mate. Like, how could, how could I get yeah. more like that? Like, again, it's that, yeah. that curious. And to me, I think uh, I'd never really thought about it like that. But if you if you can compare with with a desire to improve, the curiosity, then, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And <laughs> and I do watch people all the time. People watching is like my favorite thing to do. <laughs> yeah. um, and I almost I go out if I'm in a shopping center. We sometimes will go to a shopping center and we'll be in the you know the food court or whatever. And I just love watching people and I feel like I just said last week I'm like Dr. Doolittle I can see and feel conversations and drives Frank nuts I'll say oh that dad's that dad's not giving his son enough attention look he's scrolling through his phone and Frank will go oh we we have a word we we came up with a word recently strawberries (laughs) so he'll he'll say strawberries because strawberries are sweet and we like them so we'll try and yeah, trying. It's a sweet way of saying shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, it's focusing on. Okay, well, that's a, that's a bit negative. Let's focus on the positive. You know, because mm-hmm. I really don't want to be analysing whether that father is giving his son enough time. That's that's between them. You know, I just want to enjoy my my time with Frank and my shopping mm. and whatever. So, but yeah, I I do kind of tune in to to people's dynamics. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of things that come to mind there is like when we have that sort of inquisitive mind, then we we do see the world differently and we do see where Mm. things could be improved. For me, that's that's a big one and and it can be both uh, a blessing and something that is extremely exhausting, right? I'm forever looking at different situations and going, yeah, they could probably do that better. But then when, when when I'm looking at that from my own stuff, like it's sometimes going to mean that I get to the end of something and go, man, I really could have done that better. It's like never, never having that sort of full satisfaction, which isn't the worst thing, right? Because then it, it yeah. allows us to continue to improve. Um, so as, okay, so that story uh, removed from, you know, okay, maybe I don't do too much, but but how does your ability to to read people and read situations and and see what's really going on how has that helped you in your teaching and, and also in your coaching? Oh, yeah, the, absolutely. It's it's just been a godsend. I've always had that sort of level of intuition. Um, I don't um, I don't have the gift that you have of, to that extent of, you know, reading some of the feelings and some of the other life or whatever. But I do, yeah, I do know people very well. I worked in sales and marketing for a few years. I left teaching and went and worked for educational publishers and that helped me a lot to understand people. And so we would have a book display uh, at a conference or whatever and people would come in and I watched a workmate of mine and she'd say, what's the weather like outside? Is it still raining? And that's how she would engage people rather than the old, hello, how are you today, which is just... You know, oh, God, the salesperson, you know. (laughs) So, yeah, she was very good. And so I watch people and, you know, when people don't want something. I love watching um, the charity salespeople in the shopping centres. I love watching them and how people go, no, thanks, and march on past or, you know, or no eye contact. (laughs) You know, you walk 10 miles that way to get away from them. I always just say hello. I, I walk straight for them. And I say, hello, how are you? And 
often they'll stop me and I'll have a quick chat with them and I'll say, look, I'm already signed up to a few. I can't do any more at the moment, but yeah, yeah. nice to meet you. Hope it goes well, you know. Um, yeah. 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 I try and give them a smile of, yeah. I see what you're doing. Please don't yeah. talk to me. Yeah, that's uh, right. Because <laughs> I'm like the same. Like we have our charities. We're like I, I prefer to choose that uh, through my own time, not having yes. something thrust into my face. A bit like um, yeah, that's good. People's choice around their their spiritual practices as well. I think people are the same, exactly. right? Exactly. People like to have to be told what's what. Um, you you right. mentioned you mentioned there. You talked about like you know you don't necessarily um, do things how I do things. I, what, what I know is that everyone has a different way that they can get that sense though. So mm. like, and, and it's very much linked to the external personality. So like I'm, I'm a more in that, that sensitive side of the spectrum. So of course my intuitive abilities are going to be more in that sort of sensitive and sensory space as well. But for yeah. you, the big picture, the, the ideas, the innovations, I'd suggest that that's where you're going to have more of your intuitive magic. So it wouldn't yeah. be a direct comparison, but more a again that what we talked about before the in, in inquisitive question around. Okay, well my gift is different. How can I tap into more of that? So if you think about when you are coaching, yeah. do you kind of get do you get visuals or you kind of get ideas of what their their future might be that sort of come to you almost. Uh, yeah, almost like magic. Yeah, sometimes, and um, I'll share that with them. Um, and I do a lot of um, a vision work with people, like vision boards or, um, you know, setting up a, a, a verbal vision, you know, what, what, um, what would you like to come of this? What would you like to happen? And, uh, and how would that look and how would it feel, you know? Um, yeah, because I find that, that that forward forward planning, forward vision is, you know, the manifestation is just so important for people to um, to try and imagine how, how we could do this better or, or more functionally or whatever. Let's talk about what that looks like and feels like. And then, then they're almost stepping into it. You know, how can we, what action steps do we need to take to make that happen, you know, for you and mum to get along better or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I imagine that uh, you're very good at, at the vision side of things, that big picture thinking and helping other people to unlock more of theirs, yeah? Thank you, yeah, yeah. I, I've always been able to see things. You know, you go to things and people say, oh, I can't even see it, I can't picture it. And I think, oh, my God, I, I don't say this to them, but I think to myself, I'm seeing it in full technicolour, every <laughs> detail, very visual, very, very yeah. visual. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My oldest child is like that and talks yeah. about the movies in their head. Whereas, yeah. uh, whereas for me, I'm more like I've got a bit of a concept of it, but you're going to have to talk me through this and and yeah. show me some show me some visuals for me to yeah. actually get a greater concept of that. Yeah, I love that and um and so needed, right? For when people are starting their journey and they're feeling yeah. stuck and they're coming out the other side of rock bottom, having that vision mm -hmm. for for what's what's coming is really important. So. So what's your vision, what's your big vision for the future, Sharon, yep. with all you've been through and, and where, you're, where you're at now? Um, yeah, thank you. I've got a new partner, Frank, as you said. Uh, you saw the video, so we're on the yeah, yeah. similar wavelength most of the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. We've 
we've got our little uh, our little dog over on his bed there, uh, little Basil, the brilliant dog, and and um, we did experiment at the weekend taking him in the caravan uh, and going away, but no, he will be needing to stay with a family member <laughs> because he has a lot of anxiety and barks at everything and everybody. Oh, and dear. we we thought from our walks with him that that would be the case, but. Yeah, no, he he struggles with social anxiety, old Basil. So so it'll be me and Frank in the caravan. Um, we're still renovating his house, and I'm selling a place. And uh, once we get all that done, whether that takes a year or whatever, um, we'll be hitting the road with the caravan. And we're travelling okay. as uh, the Sustainable Crusaders, um, yeah. which is which is why we did that video to. Um, yeah, to promote that. And um, so so Frank set up something just as I got to know him called Sustainable Crusaders. And then I have over time set up my emoji, find your happy face, but we are actually meshing them because to live a sustainable lifestyle, as well as reducing plastic and waste, you're also wanting to reduce the waste in your mind and yes. you know and nutrition yeah. you know yeah. the, the yeah. one we eat, eat healthily uh, and and funnily enough the two of them just they just naturally link so the nutritionists will say um don't eat things that come out of packets because everything in a packet you know to have a shelf life is full of preservatives and chemicals and yeah yep. so yep. so uh, yeah so we're we're gradually putting them together I love that blend. Uh, my yeah. first thought was, well, we need to have the sustained uh, clarity of thinking. We need to have the sustained yeah. en physical energy, uh, the sustained, sustained way to manage emotions. And, and I love that you mentioned the book because I was going to bring that up. Uh, so emoji, and I, I'm very blessed to have my own signed copy of this. Thank you, Sharon. Um, welcome. 50 easy ways to over, um, overcome anxiety and find your happy place. Tell us a little about a bit about the inspiration for this book, Sharon. Yeah, thank you. So I was doing personal development. So I started with the alcohol program, which has a lot of personal development in it, as you can imagine. It's not just about the alcohol. Uh, in fact, some people say it's never about the alcohol. It's about us, you yeah. know, uh, and why we're using the alcohol. And then I just gravitated towards um, personal development. I was reading all the, you know, the Eckhart Tolls and the David Hawkins and all the people, Tony Robbins, the, the lot. Um, and then I started finding courses. So, and they were just on Facebook online and, and oh, that course looks good. And I became, you know, the course junkie. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I've had to sort of rein that in a bit um, just to start implementing more. Um, yeah. And then I eventually did my coaching studies. I've, I've um, done studies, you know, with an Australian group and also an American group and just putting all that information together as a toolkit, you know, a, a, a set of resources that I can use when I'm in the field, whether that's doing a home visit for families or whether it's just over the, um, over the Zoom call or FaceTime. But what was happening was I was starting to do little live videos, you know, and and I did them often in the park. I'd go for a walk and walk and talk, you know, and yeah. um, 
And I was talking about the ways that I had come out of anxiety and depression and the ways that I had got off the couch, you know, um, and sitting for two hours on the couch in the morning, you know, scrolling and miserable, miserable and, and just frozen to that couch and not able to leave the house. So to come from there to getting up and going for a walk and um, so I was doing these little live videos and I was talking about the different strategies that helped me like exercise and energy, how I'm creating my energy, um, meditation, mindfulness, um, journaling, all the well-known personal development strategies. And this one particular day I was just giving a, a broad overview and I, I said, you know, exercise and energy and meditation and something and journaling and inner child and and all of a sudden, like like the flash of lightning and the <laughs> angel singing, emoji, the word just came to me and it, that was it. From that day it was oh, emoji, how do you find your emoji? Um, or your mojo, you know, but yeah, emoji, this this is the word. And um, yeah, I started developing and asking people in a group to provide strategies. What, tell me what strategies you would have for wellness, starting with O. And you could you could think of half a dozen and so can yeah. other people in personal development and, and anybody, you know, yeah. oh yeah, I can think of things. So yeah, so that's how it all evolved and um, then I just started developing the model and and uh, then I wrote the book. So, Yeah, and what I love about this book that, that's different to most is that you've got the uh, index at the back. So if you're looking for something specific, then you can go straight to it instead of trying to yeah. like, having to read the whole thing. So I, yeah. I straight away opened it up and I got um, ego, for example. You go straight yeah. there or... Um, Ho'oponopono, which which many may be familiar with, but if you haven't, definitely worth looking up. Like these, these are just so many amazing tools here for completely different circumstances and and for different yeah. people. So it's a, as you say, there, it's like the go-to wellness guide for all ages. There's so much value in that. So what Thank I love you. is that true, true to your personality, it's big picture, but you've brought it back to the the finer details as well, which will be so valuable to people. Yeah, I wanted to, because people were starting to ask me, so what have you done to get out of this, you know, this rut, this hole, this, you know, dark space that you've been in? What have you done? And I, oh, let me tell you, you know. <laughs> so yeah. I thought, well, you know, eventually it just evolved that it, it needed to, to be a book that people could pick up and, as you say, just dip in. You know, I just wanted to to help people to negotiate the personal development space because there's so much out there, so many coaches and so many programs and so many books. So I wanted to just put, you know, a summary of those together. So, oh, who's that? Princess. She doesn't come oh, in for princess. everyone, Sharon. So you you oh. are very, you, know, you should be honoured. Um, wow. she, usually, she usually has a message, so let's see what she goes and uh, yeah, look at. Hello, princess. That's lovely. Maybe she likes my voice. She I have had good. cats. I've had a lot she's of cats. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, she's looked out yeah. the window. Yeah. What are you trying to say? I can just see her tail. It's gorgeous. <laughs> it's a happy wow. tail. 
She is a princess, though. Like, uh, yeah. she's like, it's yes, I know. Uh, oh, she's beautiful. <laughs> she's got the white. Oh, I love those kind oh, of. Yeah, she'll love colors. you if you talk to her like that. But yeah. uh, there's, there's differing the differing moods of princess. Sometimes she's like sweet, oh, yeah. like she's now, and other times she'll scream at you for no particular reason. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I have a quick story that I nearly mentioned before when I was talking yeah. about energies. Um, I went to, because uh, I teach in Catholic education and we have, you know, big love-ins and get-togethers at the start of the year and this sort of thing. And Father Richard Leonard, who used to speak on TV, I don't know if he still does. I think it was him. But anyway, the, there was a presenter, a speaker, and he said, yes, it was him, and he said, we are all cats or dogs. And he yeah. used the audience as as the examples and he said, the cats will be further to the back, their arms will be crossed, and they'll be just, you know, okay, yeah, I'll be the judge of that. And he said, and he picked me because I was in the in, in the front seat, you know, and yeah. I had my name badge on. And he said, and Sharon here, she's a classic dog. She is the case of, you know, I'll put my hand up, I'll tell a story, I'll answer the question. Please be my friend. Please love me. Please love me. <laughs> Yeah, he picked, so good. he picked it, he nailed it. And all my workmates said, Yep, that's Sharon. So yeah. yeah. So, so we're all so forget all your coaching models. We are all cats or dogs. You can forget Myers Briggs, <laughs> you can forget all of the tortoise and whales and sharks. It's just cats or dogs. That's it. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, we simple. we can tend to over yeah we can tend to overcomplicate things. So sometimes the simplest models are the best. Um, yeah, there's the good time to be the cat and to be guarded, but there's also yes. making sure that you get that uh, allow yourself to be the center of attention, like the dog. <laughs> yeah, when you need to. <laughs> when you need to. That's right. Yeah. So we we can't let this conversation go without um, sharing your story with uh, that you connected with your pop. Now, I'd love for you to tell with your words, but you know, for the long time listeners, they know that I, I talk regularly about people's connections with people who have passed and my own experience with that. And you said, like a lot of people, you were skeptical, like I very much was. You were skeptical mm. prior to, uh, but importantly, what you said to me was, but you were wishing and you were hoping that there was more. And I think, I wouldn't say everyone, but I'd say most people, yeah, why, why would you not hope or wish that mm. there was still an ability to connect? But you said you didn't believe. So how, tell us about the story that you went from skeptic to uh, believer pretty pretty quickly. <laughs> Oh, within within minutes. So um, I'd heard lots of people's stories about the other side and, you know, and you often hear people say, oh, you know, now that your sister's passed, she'll be up there in heaven with grandma and so-and-so and you think, oh, that would be nice. And as I said to you, yeah, I, you know, I wished, I wished that that would be the case, but I kind of thought that maybe we, you know, just went in the ground or went to ashes or whatever. Um, and... Uh, and then I was very, very connected with my grandfather, Pop. He's my dad's um, stepfather. We we're very, very close. And um, and he was one person that did acknowledge me as a kid that I was a bit, you know, a bit special. And we used to have 
rice bubbles together quietly before the rest of the house got up and we'd talk about the snap crackle and pop you know and pop and and so i'd help him light i'd help him light the mozzie coils for the whole house at night and he called them the poop sticks you know because they're they, they're stinky you know and we, we had a yeah. very very special bond and little jokes little in jokes the two of us and um Anyway, when he passed, and it was a long, you know, this was a tall soldier who marched on Anzac Day, you know, and then the decline to the the small man in the nursing home bed, you know, and it broke yeah. broke my heart to see all yeah. of that lost in him. But, you know, um, we still connected during that time. And then after he passed, um, some time went by and... I, um, on his birthday, I rang my aunt, who was his daughter, and I said, oh, you know, just checking in, you know. And she said, oh, you've remembered Dad's birthday. Yeah, aren't you amazing? I said, oh, you know, I wanted to just check in with you today. So we had a quick chat in the car park of um, um, Southside Locksmiths or something. I was at this locksmith <laughs> yes. place. And I was going to get a lock replaced for my art room, my, my teaching room. And um, anyway, so I hung up the phone and we had a little we had a little tear, a little cry, you know, talking about Poppy and how much we missed him. And I walked in to the locksmiths with the lock to be replaced and it was brand new. They'd, they'd moved it from South Brisbane to Salisbury and it was all big and new and big glass sliding doors. And I went up to the big counter and I said to the man, oh, I bought the wrong one, I need the you know, the 55B rather than this one, can I, here's the docket, can I replace it? And he said, yep, I'll just go back and get it for you. And he went back to get the right lock and the doors opened as true as I sit here. The doors opened by themselves, obviously. <laughs> and well, and in walked Poppy and he put his hand on my shoulder. And I, I think I was going through a bad time at that time. And Put his hand on my shoulder and said everything's going to be all right wow yeah and yeah. i just went <laughs> and then he was gone as quickly as he was there and i just stood there like a fish out of water with my mouth open like this and then yeah. and the man came out and he said he actually said oh, you look like you've seen a ghost because <laughs> I, I literally, I literally was standing there like, like this, and he, yeah, you look like you've seen a ghost, and because I must have also looked very, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. what the, and yeah. I said, I, I said sort of, and I said, do those doors ever open by, the, you know, how some sliding yeah, doors open yeah. by themselves, you know, maybe a moth flew past or something. I said, do those doors ever open? by themselves and he said oh I don't know not that I know of why what happened I said oh it doesn't matter <laughs> I'm not even gonna go there mate but yeah and I went home and I don't remember if I told my children I did I did tell um my former partner who sort of said did you take your tablet this morning or what did you drink last <laughs> night or yeah, <laughs> so yeah, non-believer yeah. right there yeah. um and and I said, I can't tell you how true this was. I cannot explain to you how absolutely true this was. And to this day, I still believe that. 
And I, I remember your guest, um, Richard Allen, saying you become a detective. You know, you, you go, yeah. well, the, I asked the man, do the doors open on there? You know, and I think I said to him, did you see anyone? And he said, no, should I have? And I, I was like, wow. But I told yeah. my auntie, his daughter, and she said, oh, yes, 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 yes. She said, your grandmother has appeared to me. So, oh, yeah, very powerful. Um, yeah. And from my experience, when you bring it up with other people, they often have a story, but they haven't told yes. it. Don't yeah. want to. Don't want to necessarily tell it because they're worried about what reaction they might get. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Just laughing because I've got the cats now looking out the window and my daughter was just leaving. They were just talking to each other there. <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> so I said, I said usually she's got a message. Now, yeah. Now, Sadie, she's looking out the window and now she's sitting on my little bucket chair there looking yeah. out the window. Uh, oh, and then the birds come. So so I'm not really 100% sure, but... The, the you mentioned okay here we go you mentioned yeah. that uh, those days when sometimes you just don't you didn't want to go out the door mm. have you got to the bottom of what the biggest obstacle to that was like what was keeping you stuck I had I had major anxiety and depression um, but that came from the drinking. So the next morning, you know, your chemicals, because when you're drinking your serotonin and all your happy dopamine chemicals go up and then the next morning they plummet, you know. Um, but, yeah, the, the anxiety was just, uh, it was overwhelming and I was just stuck. But a lot of it came from those those voices, you know, I'm not good enough, I caused all this, yeah. Mm, I, <laughs> I muted myself, but the coughing that... Yeah came through where you were talking then um like does that, did that anxiety then create a, an overthinking process that you would then uh sort of yeah 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 absolutely overthinking i've always been an overthinker and it's something that i'm working on in fact i'm reading a book at the moment overcoming overthinking you know <laughs> by oh, a friend man, of mine yeah. But, yeah. yeah it's the overthinking that we do where we analyse something to the nth degree, you know, why did this happen? Why did they say that? And why did I do this? And, you know, rather yeah. than living in the present, living in the moment and and letting all of that go, and that's where meditation is just so valuable to yeah. just sit and be and not be rehashing the past. It's, so, it's such a dangerous place to be. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely and then as we start to discover more of our uh, intuitive abilities and we start to get more messages whether we ask for them or not like people literally showing up to us at the locksmiths yeah yeah and <laughs> then, then the overthinking can sometimes increase right because suddenly we've opened up this whole new inner world and then and then it just cascades and and suddenly we it's like how do we control all of that so so can you share um maybe one of the tools from the book when when you've got that overthinking happening how, how do you bring yourself back to a more uh center mm -hmm. and structured way of of thinking so you can navigate those moments yeah thanks for asking um one of the big ones for me like if i'm going through something really heavy 
Uh, like I think I told you personally, I had a massive crash over Christmas, massive plummet, you know, a whole bunch of stuff came at me. But, you know, stuff's coming at us all the time. But I went into yeah. reaction rather than respond, mostly because it just kept coming. You know, when you have a real run of whatever it is, bad luck or bad messages from the universe, a um, whole bunch of stuff came up all at once and it all exploded and I fell in a heap. But what I do when I do fall in a bit of a heap or a big heap is I put on my meditation music. I just Google meditation music and pick a different one each time, you know. I've got some favourites that have certain sequences or violins or piano that, that make me cry, you know, yeah. um, certain tunes that for some reason I'll, I'll cry as soon as they come on, you know. Yeah. Um, and what I do is I get the journal out and I brain dump everything he said she said they did i feel blah 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 blah, blah. just <laughs> dump it all out on paper and i say to people you can burn it you can screw it up and throw it away you can tear it into a thousand pieces or you can leave it in your journal whatever works for you yeah um yeah. but i i use the music to cry because it will, I'm, I'm actually quite musical. I mean, it works for most people anyway, but but I've, I've had a lot of musical background and, you know, certain pieces of music, I'm, as soon as they come on, I'm, I'm there, you know, and I need that release. I need that, that cry because so often the anxiety is from pushing it down, isn't it, you know? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well said. Thank you for sharing that. And and um, I know you listen. You've listened to a fair few, but the, the listeners would have heard me talk about that a fair yeah. bit. The just journal brain dump, get yes. this stuff out of your head. Out, yes. Yeah. Um, such a powerful exercise. And even um, if that ends up with you punching a pillow or squeezing a pillow <laughs> over your face, or you know, whether it's anger or or sadness or whatever, it's yeah. got to come out. Yeah, Can I just 100%. quickly show you? I've got something to show you. Hang on. Okay. It's a prop. That's all right. I'll just keep talking. This is my favourite prop, and I don't have the water in it at the moment. Um, but what you I do. You have to explain it for the listeners. Yes, yes. yes. It's my favourite prop, and it's a little fish bowl, and I colour the water with food colouring, yeah. and I get the tennis ball, and I show the teenagers and the parents. Yeah. How we push our emotions down and we push them down and we push them down and, oh, look, they keep popping up to the surface. Sometimes yep. they pop up to the surface at the worst possible time and we end up screaming at mum or our sibling or our teacher or because we've been pushing down. And here's one we made earlier and I've kept this because yeah. this was my original tennis ball and built up so much pressure it cracked. It totally cracked uh, open. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and that's that's a very powerful tool when you're working with um, particularly kids and teens that we're pushing, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, you know, and adults do it too. I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah. yeah okay, Let, let's talk about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and from my experience of working with people with anxiety, it's very much is the suppression of the anger and the sadness that mm. that, uh, that brings about more anxiety. It's it's sort of it's counterintuitive to what you would think would be the case, mm. but that's just what happens when we don't deal with 
with our emotions, we, we all tend to go different directions. So I get more to a depressed sort of state when I'm suppressing. Mm. Um, for other people, they might tend to more of an anxious state. Uh, for yeah. some people like yourself, it can be a bit of both, which I, which yeah. I imagine can, would contribute significantly to that sort of bipolar sort of feel that you described. Yeah, probably linked. I'm not sure. I don't know enough about it. I'm, I'm slowly researching it again just yeah. for my own for my own benefit and for some of the people I work with, you know. So okay. yeah. I've got I've got the question from Princess. She's oh, asking she's asking what why why are you hiding yourself away from the world? Ah, okay. I'm being a bit too much cat perhaps, just slinking off into the background yeah well uh, my kind of thought was like i feel like you've got more books in you so so what's the big message that you mm. want to share like what's the what's the big stuff that you really want to share to the world it's a it's a big message about you can change your life you know and that's what emoji was about he, here's a bunch of strategies you know i'm in a lot of groups where people say oh, this happened and that happened and, you know, and everyone chimes in and says, oh, that's so bad and he's a rotter and da 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 and, you know, and I, and I think, okay, we're still in story, you know, we're still in, and I've been there. I've drowned and wallowed in my story for way too long. Yeah. Um, and as you say, because we don't know what we don't know, once we start getting the tools by reading, by doing courses, by working with a coach, by listening to podcasts, you know, once we get those tools, it's like the whole world opens up. You know, something as simple as um, one we do in schools is the, the fixed and growth mindset. So if I've got a fixed mindset, you know, I see the world X, Y, Z, and if I have a growth mindset, I'm opening up my mind. What's she doing? Jeez. I can show you. The listeners are lucky to take my word for it. She's sitting oh, up there. So she's she's looking at yep. can you see that picture, the barley picture of uh oh, yeah. the uh, rice fields. Oh no, she's, no, no. Nice. Something up, up the there. Blind. The blind. Mm, okay. Interesting. Why, why, are we look, why are we looking at the blind? Oh, okay. <laughs> she's just giving me a big yawn. So so <laughs> by by blocking out the world and not yeah. allowing the people to see your full expression of yourself mm. it's actually draining you yeah okay so yeah. that big people thinking and i'm going to guess you're more on the extroverted side which is which is the performer yeah it's like why why are we not seeing you mentioned the videos why are we not seeing more videos from you Sharon? Yeah, okay. why are we not seeing more of your magic uh going out to the world all right yeah okay yeah so i mean sometimes you get that imposter syndrome don't you where oh whatever you know i'm just another coach who's got more of the same you know <laughs> but but then i don't you know I, i've been able to present it in a very um simple way that is helping a lot of people so more of that yeah. more videos yeah yeah 100 percent. and i'll do it Awesome. Um, oh, yeah. So uh, when, when you hang out a lot in this space, you know, the people in the coaching industry go, uh, it's a, um, 
it's a saturated market and, and you know, the competition's high. And it's like, it's just garbage. It's, it's like when we were in television yeah. and we would, watch, we would watch the TV and go, oh, we've got this on again. And it's like, yeah. we have to keep reminding ourselves, we have it on all day, but our viewers are watching yeah. for one hour. They're tuning in for one hour. Yeah. And think of how many people now are searching for answers after the last three, four oh, years yeah. that humanity has been through. Yeah. They want, and they want unique and they want real and they want raw. They don't want this mm. polished, uh, you know, like television almost perfect thing because life's not like that. We, we no. want to see – I've mentioned it on here many times before. Some of the best received stuff that I've done has been me talking about the things that I've got horribly wrong, whether it was running yeah. and hitting my head on a tree or uh, the times where <laughs> I've been really hard on myself in all of these different circumstances. They're the ones that people go, oh, cool, you are human. Like this, mm. you know, front that you put up with all the positivity. Yeah, it's like, yes, because I put yeah. that up as messages of hope, but we also need to share, well, we're, we're, uh, we're also human and we've got stuff going on. And yeah. never have people be, been more ready to, to hear it. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward yeah, to seeing. leading by example. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what, uh, what, what else we've got from you coming up in uh, greater Thank volume. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's great. Thank you. You're welcome. So is there anything else from your story that you'd love to share or just a message for our listeners before we wrap this up, Sharon? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, we've just touched on some of the griefs, griefs, griefs that I went through. You know, there's been others too. Um, you know, I lost a baby. Um, I lost a good friend who my son is named after. Um, and I remember, um, was it Pat that, yeah, somebody, somebody conceived the baby when the person died. We, we had exactly that in our oh, wow. family. Um, yeah, it was, it was really to the exact weekend, you know, um, yeah. I, I grieved for many years about a boy who I was in love with at 12. And then we both moved to Malaysia because we were Air Force and, he was already with someone else and I grieved and grieved, you know, all my yeah, life yeah. for that boy, you know, like yeah, it's just yeah. so many things that are so powerful that some people might laugh at that, but that was a massive lifetime of grief for me. Um, and we met again when I was in my 50s and it wasn't to be for various reasons and so, you know, yeah, to a certain extent, I still grieve that. So we can grieve for lost love. We can grieve for people who've passed, for a, a child that wasn't born and for divorce. And But, you know, we can also live. We can also have that story but practice all these strategies to be well. You know, I, I refuse to, to wallow in my story any longer so I gave up the drink, I exercise, I eat well. Um, I recently stopped scrolling in the mornings, you know. I've talked about it for a long time and I've told other people to do it, 
but I still will pick up my phone and check in, oh, who's sent me a message overnight or whatever. But now I pick it up, I move it to another place in the house, I don't even open it and I do my morning ritual, my um, my walk, my stretches, my meditation, my journaling, whatever it is. I mix it up. Sometimes I read, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, we've it's, you know, the old... This one's used a lot, but Einstein saying, you know, do the same thing and expect a different result is insanity. Okay, yeah. so how can I do this differently? So my message is you can create your life, you know. It's not just about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. Um, and I think it's about both. It's finding your way to you, to yourself, to drop the masks and to stop pushing down to be yourself, but it's also, okay, well, I don't like the fact that I talk too much or that I don't listen enough or whatever it is, you know, how can I change that? How can I do that differently? And what strategies could I put in place for that? I have a little a little love heart hanging in my car that says listen <laughs> to remind me <laughs> to listen yeah. Yeah. and ask questions. Yeah, and not always be the storyteller because the storytellers are often people who come from anxiety. So we, you know, and I can pick them. I can see them, but sometimes yeah. I, I forget that I am them. So, yeah. But create yourself. Start somewhere, anywhere. Start with the strategies that Ian's suggesting, that I'm suggesting. Grab a copy of the book. Most of the profits go to charity anyway. So, yeah. But, yeah. um there's so much out there. Go to a secondhand bookshop and go to the personal development, health, wellness section and just start with something. It'll change it. your life. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Don't get stuck in the repeating story. Create yes. your life. Magic, magic. Yep. So good. Sharon, that was wonderful. Thank you so Thank much you. for sharing your story, uh, hopefully in a different way than you've shared it before. I uh, appreciate you sharing your wisdom. Uh, highly recommend people if they're looking for a really simple book around anxiety to check out Emoji. Uh, you can find it. Uh, on Amazon. Amazon, yep. Um, yep. And where else can people find you, Sharon, if they want to see more of your work? Um, Facebook, just message me. Just message Sharon Chamello. I'm very easy to find. Um, there's only apparently two of us in the world on Facebook at least. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so super easy to find. I'm on other platforms as well, but uh, predominantly Facebook. And, um, yeah, just, just send me a message, reach out, and uh, we'll start with a chat anytime. Love it. Thank, thank you. you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and thank you to Princess for the messages. I am heeding those messages i love it she's literally sitting at the door now ready to go so everything that she needed to be passed on was so that's cool <laughs> well she's telling me to be at the door ready to go too oh there you go well played. yeah well boom played. look for a video today <laughs> <laughs> all Looking right to it. see you sharon thanks ian thanks for your time i hope you enjoyed this episode of the grief code podcast thank you so much for listening please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. 
email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.